it's founded on basic principles that ensure the health and well-being of lots of different systems and ecosystems. So whatever you're going to do, whether it follows certain, you know, specific techniques and methods or not, it has to be built on the foundations of these beliefs that are supporting people and Earth and the future. You're listening to another fabulous episode of Never Wear Boring Socks. I'm Anna Barnard. And I'm Maria Ramsey. Get ready to grow your brains this week, because we're talking about permaculture. Ooh, it's so exciting. <laughs> Before we do that, though, we have some socks to talk about. So, Maria, do. what socks are you wearing today? So I, again, am not wearing my socks, but I chose a pair of socks intentionally and placed them on my desk next to me. That's what I did I'm as well. I'm not wearing socks. Okay. Yeah. Is because it's raining and I'm wearing sandals and my feet were sort of wet and I didn't want to put on clean socks. So the socks that I chose for this episode are a, one of my favorite pairs of socks. I've definitely worn them before on the podcast. They're black and they have little elephants, little pairs of elephants with intertwining trunks with little hearts at the I like end those of the ones. trunks. And I chose these today because I chose them based on our topic for today because we're talking about permaculture. And something that I'm sure we'll get into today is that permaculture really has a lot to do with relationships and mutually beneficial relationships. And these elephants on my socks definitely look like they're being mutually benefited. Both elephants look very happy, like they're cooperating and equally contributing to this elephant relationship displayed on the sock. I know I'm reading a lot into this little illustration on a sock, but that's what it represents to me. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Very nice. So what socks are you wearing, Anna? Or what socks do you have on your desk? Um... Yeah, mine are sitting on my desk because I it's a very nice sunny day out and I'm wearing clogs without socks. Sorry. Fabulous. I think I have they're the clogs that you were wearing when I was visiting. No, they're not. They're different clogs okay. because I, I, say, have I have multiple clogs pairs now. of clogs. <laughs> okay. Clogs are great. But yes, anyway. I want to see your clogs now because they're they very cute. Yeah. I wouldn't wear them with socks though. So I right. understand. Right. I understand your choice. Right. Yeah. Uh, we are pro clog here at Never Boring Socks. But not pro clogs and socks together. Depending on the clog. Depending on the clog. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Back to, uh, back, socks. To, back to my socks. Yes. Um, so my socks, I, they are blue and they have this little graphic on the ankle of a cup of tea and the reason why I chose these socks is because I got them in Edinburgh when I was there earlier this year in January and I am about to go back to the UK this fall to study abroad and I'm like getting excited for it so I was like "Mm, I'm gonna pick out my Scotland socks but I also picked them out yeah I also picked them because although it is sunny and not necessarily sock weather. It is starting to feel very fall-like here. And I associate... Do you have the crispness in the yes. air? Yes. Yes. I love that Exactly. Crispness. I'm very excited. I'm kind of done with summer. I'm excited for the fall. So the tea, I feel like, is kind of a fall-like thing, you know, curling up with a little tea, good book. It's one of my favorite fall activities. Yeah, I like it. So it's kind of like tying in with some seasonal changes for me, which <laughs> we are into seasons here as well. In addition to clogs. Especially fall. I think I we think love this fall. has been up a point before we both yeah. really love fall. Also, I think fall is just a good season in the places where we live. Yeah. I think so. There's also that. 
Yeah. Yeah. But Winter this year... a little extreme. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> but this year, I will be somewhere else for fall. So I'm excited to see what that is like. That is exciting. I'm excited to hear about your fall experience in the yeah. UK. It's very exciting. I'm looking forward to You'll it. You'll have to update us. I will. We're talking about permaculture today, and Maria is going to kind of take the reins on this one because she is much more knowledgeable about this than I am. She took a class on this last... I did take a class That was last summer, wasn't it? That was last summer, yeah, a little over a year ago. So can you tell us, can you like kind of define permaculture and give us a little rundown of some of the main things you learned about it? Sure. So there are a lot of different definitions of permaculture, and basically it's a system of ecological design. It can be applied to other things also, but mostly ecological design with the goals of both benefiting the humans that are part of that system and also the land and plants and animals. So it regenerates the land and creates healthy land and plants and everything and also produces benefits for the humans whether that's food or products from livestock or things to make clothing out of like things that we can use basically or places to gather it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical product and like I mentioned with my socks earlier it has a lot to do with relationships between things it's a very holistic system of looking at design and agriculture as opposed to kind of considering this bit of land as like just a place that you're going to plant a crop and you're going to get that crop you're thinking about how what you plant and how you plant it and how you treat the land is going to affect the whole ecological system that it's a part of how it's going to affect the soil, how it's going to affect the animals in the area and the other plants around it, and how those things are going to be affected in the future as well. So again, with the idea of things being holistic, which is something that we talk about in terms of health and wellness, it's like everything is affecting everything else. Nothing exists in a vacuum. So that's kind of like a basic idea of what permaculture is. Mm-hmm. And then some of the big points that people talk about in permaculture, there's three core ethics, which are, they're worded a little bit differently sometimes, but they're people care, earth care, and future care or fair share. And basically those things mean people care is how are the choices that we're making going to affect the people in this environment, both like the local environment and also on a bigger scale, any other people that it might have sort of a ripple effect on with the idea being that all people have fundamental rights to live a healthy life and be supported. And then earth care is like, how do our, choices that we're making when we're designing things affect the earth itself and all of the other inhabitants of the earth that are not humans because again everything is connected and everything has symbiotic relationships and like we probably all learned from biology class about how ecological systems are all interrelated and like if you take out one organism it affects the whole chain of things so anyway so the earth care is about like how does it affect the earth and then future care and fair share is about is like are the things that we're doing sustainable in the long term and not just are they positively affecting the humans and the earth right now but many years into the future are we also creating positive 
effects and the fair share aspect of that. Sometimes it's called fair share is the idea in creating a healthy future is that you're returning the surplus to the system. So if you have extra stuff that you produce, you're returning it to the system. So you're not like depleting it, you're replenishing it and supporting it in the future. Interesting. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. It is a very cool system. Yeah. So what exactly, like, how does that manifest? What exactly does permaculture look like in tangible terms? That is an excellent question. And I'm sure it and varies it a like, lot. Yeah, it can look like a lot of different things. But for example, if you're trying to, so like, say you have a plot of land and you're trying to design it in a permaculture way, you would think about, one of the things you think about a lot is different flows of energy, whether that's like the direction that the sun is shining. So where heat and light is coming from, where water is coming from, where animals paths might be, all the, where people's paths might be. So you're thinking about all those kind of flows of energy and how you can design the space with those things in mind. So that might mean sometimes it has to do with shaping the land. So maybe it's like digging the land into certain shapes and sort of like building it into certain shapes to catch water in such a way that's going to be beneficial to the plants that you're growing there instead of having the water all run off. But you're catching the water that's there so that you're using the resources that naturally fall there, like the rain that's falling there, as opposed to having to bring in a ton of extra water from who knows where else. So it can look like that. It can look like planting certain groups of plants together that have symbiotic relationships with each other and with, yeah, so like certain plants that fix nitrogen, you might plant next to a plant that needs nitrogen, things like that. So there's this whole idea in permaculture of like plant guilds basically is what they're called. I think there's another name for them too, but like what plants go together and work in such a way that they're really helping out each other if they're planted next to each other. And then it can also, like, it doesn't just have to be planting stuff either. It can be, like, how you're, how you're building a structure. It can be if you're building a home and you want to take into account permaculture design principles, you can think about those flows of energy that I mentioned and build your home in such a way that it's more energy efficient so that you're like capturing the sunlight to use to partially heat your home and that you're maybe protecting your home from sunlight if you're going to want to keep it cool depending on the season and the climate where you are. So those are a few ways that you might apply it. Yeah. Okay. That's super fascinating. Um, especially in terms of the type of agriculture that's like so prevalent right now, right. which is it's very different, very driven by capitalism in terms of it's all about like quantity um, rather than like quality or mm -hmm. um, not just quality of the crops, but quality of like the environment that it's being worked on or even quality that you're providing to the people who are going to eat those crops or use those crops or whatever. I've been reading... Um, Michael Pollan's In Defense of Food recently. Um, and he talks about this a lot. And he doesn't talk about like agriculture specifically, but he talks about how you can't really separate systems of food from the diets that they're in. You can't separate the diets that they're in from the environments in which people are eating those diets. And you can't separate the food from the land that it's grown on and the people who are growing it, you know? And so that all is a really appealing idea to me because I think when we're trying to figure out, you know, what products to use or how to make them and things like that, it, we break it down into like easily understandable components um, that individually may look appealing together or profitable or whatever. 
Um, but when we disregard the health of the entire system, then a lot of things start to back up on you, you know? And so I think permaculture is, has a really fascinating and helpful like foundation just that it's on with the people care, the earth care and the future care thing is in that it's recognizing that kind of like system that's at play, which I think is super helpful. So I'm interested in continuing to talk about this. And one thing that I wanted to cover before we continued is why are we talking about it specifically on our podcast? And I know you have some thoughts on this, but with this idea of kind of viewing things as systems, as more holistic, as more than just the sum of their parts and how we can't divorce things into little components. I mean, again, the idea of we've talked about how like wellness is not one size fits all things mm-hmm. like that. I, I think that kind of relates to what we've been talking about. Um, what What would you say about that in regards to why you think it's important for us to talk about this? I think I think it relates to a lot of what we talk about. Like you said, sort of our approach to health and wellness is, like you said, it's not one size fits all. It depends on the circumstances and the person. And it also, we both believe in a holistic approach, which, like you said, is really taking into account all of the different parts of a, a person when you're talking about health. And then... Like when you're talking about the health of the environment of the planet, I think you also have to take into account all of those parts. And that also means one of the parts of the health of the planet is the health of the people living on Mm -hmm. it. And the people living on it, their health is directly impacted by the health of the planet also. So I really think... You, like you said, you can't separate those things. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting, too, even in the context of, like, current environmentalist conversations, which that's a whole other conversation and topic that we could get into. But, like, at a basic level, I think a lot of times when people are talking about things like global warming and how to approach that topic, it's like, well, we need to do it to protect the humans, or we need to do it to protect the Earth, or we need to do it to protect the animals, or whatever, and I think when we start breaking it up into those separate reasons, then all we get is disagreement, you know? And mm-hmm. in reality, like, if we protect the Earth, then that's going to benefit us. And if we protect ourselves right. and do right. things that is that are going to be beneficial to our health and well-being, that's going to be beneficial to the planet's health and well-being, you know? And I think that's just such a more helpful way to look at, like, environmental protection and sustainability and... That's why that's why I find permaculture and just like its foundational ideas so appealing. Yeah. Well, and the other reason that permaculture really appealed to me, the reason I got so excited about it and actually did a permaculture design course, which is very different really than anything I had done before and sort of seemed a little bit out of left field for me to do. Part of the reason I got so excited about it was because permaculture is a very solution-based approach to things like global warming and climate change and like issues within the food system and everything, which I find really inspiring. And I just think like there's so much information about climate change that's so depressing and like so doom and gloom and like we're all going to die soon. And like, we can only make it happen slower. Right. (laughs) Which like, maybe that's true to some extent, but also I really appreciate the, the thing about permaculture is it's like, we do have these solutions to a lot of these problems to create more food stability in general to sequester more carbon in the soil and keep it out of the atmosphere. And like we've had these solutions for years. A lot of permaculture is based on indigenous knowledge and traditional farming. Like it's not some new fangled thing that somebody just thought of and was like, this is going to solve our problems. It's like things that people have been doing for years that we've gotten away from, like you said, 
with the more capitalist approach to farming where it's like, how can we make the most profit right now? As opposed to thinking about what's best for the people in the land and future generations. Right. And building on that, it's not just a holistic approach. It's also, like you said, it's a holistic solution. Right. And the fact, you know, that a lot of proposed solutions for global warming or things like that are either like a proposed magic bullet or like all these disparate elements that somehow need to happen at once, which is really daunting. Mm -hmm. And I think permaculture is one of the great things where not only it's not just like this technique that's like, we have to do this so things will be better. It's founded on basic principles that ensure the health and well-being of lots of different systems and ecosystems. Mm -hmm. So whatever you're going to do, whether it follows certain, you know, specific techniques and methods or not, it has to be built on the foundations of these beliefs that are supporting people and earth and the future, you know? And so like that is kind of a bulletproof way to actually start addressing these ideas. And I love that it goes back to this indigenous wisdom too, because I think that's the other thing. I think we are a kind of people who like always want to innovate and any problem we have needs to be solved by innovation. I think that's like very much like an American viewpoint and mentality. Mm -hmm. And not that that's like inherently bad, but I think it makes us forget the things that we've gone away from that maybe have caused some of our problems. And I think it's just in a way it's like, there's like beauty and simplicity with this sort of thing. And I think it's just a really exciting approach to not only like keeping carbon out of the atmosphere, but also preserving species and also, mm-hmm. you know, creating um, better, better food culture in the United States, which is inherently going to make people feel better, which is also going to support our economy by not draining things of healthcare costs. <laughs> right. You know, like it's, it's the system that works well in this, in this web in a way that I think current potential solutions are just like not gelling together. And mm-hmm. so I love that not only is this solving a lot of problems, if we were to implement it, but it's also not super difficult to implement either. Yeah. And I mean, like a lot of these things, I think require planning and patience. Oh, most, which is why we do sort of like a lot of people and companies revert to the, let's just clear all the trees and plant soybeans there. Because that's like you don't really have to think about it that much, and it's it's probably cheaper to do, and you get faster solutions. But like several years down the line, that soil is going to be completely depleted, and you probably if you cleared out trees, you disrupted the the water cycle, the carbon cycle, and now it's not being sequestered in the earth. And yeah, so I th- it requires a commitment to to doing things maybe a more, I don't know, more challenging. Cause like you said, there is an aspect of like simplicity and it's not really that hard, but it is, it's work. Right. And it requires a commitment to doing that work, which I think is why we're resistant to making such large scale changes as culture. Right. And I think one of the reasons, I, I guess I think the reason why I view it as a sort of simplicity is not the fact that it will like, it won't require any work to implement, but that once you get over that hurdle and you invest the time and effort into providing a good foundation and plan from which to jump off, then because everything works together in this way, in a way that's not like these, all these new technology needs need to be, you know, perfectly construed so we can make this happen or all, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these moving parts need to fit together somehow in a way that isn't going to fit together naturally or whatever. Like once you put in the effort to actually make this sort of thing happen, then the parts start to work in a way 
that is, I guess, just the fact that I'm trying to articulate what this point is, the, the idea that, like, in a way, it's working with nature instead of against nature. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. like, yeah. that's where this, this not necessarily simplicity, but, like, a sense of ease yeah. comes in. Yeah, I agree. Because you're not, like, fighting against some natural process in order to alter this other one. If that yes. makes sense. I think that's yeah, what I was I think trying that's to a say. Good, yeah, that's a good point that you made that it's not about fighting natural processes. That's something I could have talked about sort of in the definition section of this podcast. But like, that's another thing that I think is sort of a foundational concept is you're trying to work with the natural cycles of nature. You're working with what the plants and the lands naturally should be doing as opposed to, like you said, fighting against what it naturally would want to do and, like, trying to impose our vision for the land on it. And there is a certain aspect, like, if you're designing a food forest, there's an aspect of, like, you are imposing your vision on the land. Right. But you're doing it with the intention of creating more health in that land. And it's not only for human benefit. Right. Yeah, exactly. And not only for immediate benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So there's my and Maria's like little preachy moment. So, <laughs> <laughs> which I enjoyed because all this stuff is really interesting to me. And I think environmentalism has not been like an innate cause I feel, I feel like there are some things where i'm like naturally prone to jump on board with it mm-hmm. environmentalism has been one of those things that i've like gradually understood why it's so important but like now that i read more about it i find it that it's kind of like behind everything because like mm-hmm. anywhere you are you're like living in an environment you know right <laughs> so we all have to live on this planet. yeah so i think conversations like this are really helpful in you know rem- reminding ourselves of that and you know, putting in the work to establish things like permaculture is going to be reminding ourselves of these symbiotic relationships, you know, like, like bringing us back to earth in a way. So yeah, I'm glad we're talking about this. Um, but to move forward in kind of our traditional never wear boring socks way, we want to talk about how this relates <laughs> to both wellness and creativity, which I'm really interested in because I'm, I mean, we've talked a little bit about the wellness thing so far, but I'm really curious mm-hmm. to to how this is going to also promote creativity and things like that. So I was wondering yeah. what you have to say about how this relates to wellness. And we've covered, you know, trying to help the overall wellness of the community. But are there other, like, more specific things that kind of tie into it? Well, before I get into specifics, I also just want to say that the reason that, per the, like, the reason I got into permaculture, I've always cared about environmentalism as I'm sure you have also Mm -hmm. but I think one of the reasons why I haven't like like it also kind of took me a while to like jump into it as something I really wanted to get involved in until I found permaculture Mm -hmm. is because permaculture is to me a like holistically well and creative approach to environmentalism Mm. Because I feel like before, like the sort of methods and things that I was reading about didn't like they seemed like good ideas, but they didn't really resonate with me on as deep of a level as the ideas behind permaculture. <coughs> Excuse me. So like we said, wellness is related to permaculture because like you have to think about the whole system and the holistic aspect. Everything is connected I mean, I think another aspect, we've hinted at this, but planting land in such a way that makes food more accessible makes people healthier. Like, the more that we can get more people to eat stuff that's grown locally, the better. And... 
Like there's a lot of stuff that we talked about in my permaculture course about like how you can do that in creative ways. Speaking of creativity, like if you are in a city, how can you apply some of these concepts of permaculture? How can you use the small spaces you have, the small green spaces in ways to make them really effective gathering places? How can you actually plant food in these little urban parks as opposed to just being a pretty thing that you look at or a gathering space for people, which impacts the wellness of a community if they have space to gather and just like having food available also. And I think like taking care of the land in such a way that it's able to produce more food. That's the idea I think I'm trying to get at. Yeah, totally. And I especially love the idea of how it helps like community health. I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and the idea that because it's based on values that support the well-being of not like only humans or not only the earth, it is bringing people and the earth and things like that together in a way where Mm -hmm. um, like monoculture and things like that are again are like working against the land and so i think also if you are working with systems that are based on beliefs that inherently support community and support well-being you know like that's going to seep into just like the culture of your community as well Mm -hmm. and so i think that's really uh, a benefit to this kind of of premise Yeah. And something else that we talked about in my permaculture course was because you can apply it to other things also besides just designing spaces and ecological systems is like when you're applying this to community spaces or groups, you also want to think about how it's going to impact all the people in that community. And it's really a not hierarchical approach Mm, yeah to benefiting the community because you want to benefit everybody and make sure everybody has a say and has access to the things that are produced so that's another aspect of it totally so like you just said i mean sometimes it's not even like implementing literal permaculture but it's like using the ideas behind it in other aspects. Mm-hmm. How would you say that, like, if you could provide recommendations, how would you say people could use permaculture ideas to promote wellness in their own lives? I think, I mean, I think because your wellness is so deeply connected to the wellness of whatever systems and communities you're a part of, I think thinking about the health and wellness practices that you're engaging in and how their like what their relationship is to the people and systems around you. Like if you're buying some skincare product, is it made in such a way that honors the permaculture principles is it do the does the company make an effort to reuse materials to not create waste are they giving opportunities to people who might not otherwise have those opportunities to work for them or to benefit from whatever they're doing so i mean that's like some from sort of a consumer angle mm. it's just using that as a lens to make choices. And then I think, yeah, I, th- I think that's really important. And even if it's not like stuff that you're buying, but just the choices that you're making, how is that affecting the environment around you also? Yeah, totally. And I think also like another aspect of health is like, we've been talking about what you're eating. So maybe considering where does your food come from? Can you grow some of your own food? Can you support people who are doing it in ways that are supporting the land and the community? Mm-hmm. 
That's another aspect of it, too. Yeah, this is reminding me, too, also just in terms of not necessarily like the goods you're using, but just like the practices you're doing to be well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this is kind of an abstract relationship to permaculture, but I try to meditate regularly. And one of, I mean, we've talked about headspace on here and one of the main principles of the headspace recordings that I use is, or one of the main questions that um, the person narrating the meditations asks each time is, is it Andy Andy yes I love Andy Aww. he he asks, Hi, Andy. <laughs> he asks you to think of your intention for the meditation and oftentimes he prompts you to not just think of how it's going to benefit you but how it's going to benefit other mm. people in your life which I think is a really fascinating approach I mean on, on one hand, like, if you take it at face value, it's like, okay, yeah, that's pretty basic. Like, how is this going to help you and other people? But on the other hand, it's kind of radical in, especially in terms of, like, our self-care dialogue. I think self-care is super important and amazing. But sometimes I think it can also, like, just, like, the culture and hype around it can be construed as, like, very individualized. Mm, and yeah. I think when you look at wellness, not just in terms of you being well and healthy, but in terms of like, if I meditate daily and I have a better sense of calm or just kind of clarity in my life, that's going to affect the relationships I have with other people. You know, I think that is a really helpful way to look at wellness. That's not so insular, you know, and like individualistic. Um, and not that individualism is bad, but that sometimes it precludes us from also doing things that help other people. Right. And thinking about maybe how your self-care is going to impact, like you said, your relationships, kind of how you're going to interact with people, but also how you're going to contribute to the world. Right. Which is an aspect of wellness of your community right which in turn affects you right it's it's like not only how are you going to be well so you can feel good which is super important but also if you are well then you'll be able to be a better human in the world and have a better impact on the world because you're taking care of yourself you know i think i think that's that's super helpful and i think it's a good way to look at wellness if some people have a hard time taking care of themselves um and don't think that they are deserving of self-care or don't have time to to program in self-care into their routines. I think this perspective that not only does it help you, but it helps the people around you can be also just like a really good reminder of why it's important to take care mm-hmm. of ourselves. Yeah, it's a good stepping stone because mm-hmm. I do agree with you. I think it's also really valuable just to recognize your own right deservingness right. of self-care to like not only because it's going to benefit the system around you. And I think a lot of us have a hard time with that, mm-hmm. but that can be, like I said, kind of a stepping stone to getting there. Right. Exactly. And it's equally as important. I think both are really like you need both. Yeah. And I think if, if that's the reason why you start taking care of yourself, the act of taking care of yourself will foster the belief that you do deserve this care if you yes, keep doing it. Definitely. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. So then I guess in terms of creativity, I mean, I think that permaculture is a creative approach to agriculture. If you're thinking about it in terms of agriculture, because like I said before, it's, it's maybe not the quickest and easiest way to make money mm-hmm. <clears throat> or to produce food for like next month's harvest. It's definitely a slower process in a lot of ways. And it can be really complicated because instead of just spraying stuff with pesticides, you want to think about how, <clears throat> excuse me. How can I introduce elements to this system that are going to naturally take care of those pests or naturally discourage them or redirect them or whatever instead of just killing them? And sometimes it takes a while to figure out what exactly that is. There's a lot of research you can do. You can talk to people. But I know a lot of new farmers 
still face a lot of those challenges. So it can take a while to kind of get the hang of it. And it depends on your land too. Like it's not going to work the same for everybody depending on your environment and exactly how you get started. So I do think it takes creativity because you have to, you have to approach it with a problem solving mindset and really think about your intention and how you're going to go about this in a holistic way. And also just the fact that it's such a solution focused approach, I think in itself is inherently creative Mm -hmm. because I think a really important piece of creativity is that you're not focusing on problems because like how do you get anything done right (laughs) how do you come up with any good creative solutions or creative ideas you have to kind of rise above the level of the problem and get to the level of solution right I think I got that idea from Deepak Chopra that was a loose quote of his (laughs) well okay so I have a question about this then um does is an element of permaculture so I think one thing that is flawed with like our current agriculture system is this idea of like monocultures and how mm-hmm. um not only the the agriculture that is fueling our industry and businesses but also like what's going into our diet has been extremely uh um simplified whereas mm. in the past we lived off of extremely diverse diets and also i think there's this sense of if you are partaking in a diverse diet, then there's a more creative act. To, like if you're preparing your own food, but you're preparing lots of different kinds of foods, there's a creativity that comes with that, you know, of mm-hmm. having to figure out how you're going to prepare all these different kinds of foods. And so yeah, I guess I'm wondering if the elements of permaculture lend themselves to n- kind of straying away from that monoculture idea and diversifying the kinds of crops a farmer is planting yeah it definitely has a lot to do with that so monoculture being like just planting corn. lots and corn, lots corn, of corn, rows corn. of corn <laughs> yeah right so that would not be a permaculture way to do things because when if you have a giant field of corn the soil is only interacting with the corn. There's like nothing else going on in there. So if the corn is taking some particular nutrient out of the soil, there's nothing else that's going to replenish it. So the Mm, soil is going to be depleted of certain nutrients over time. So that's not really good for the health of it. Um, And then having this vast expense of the same crop means that you're going to attract whatever pests like to eat corn. And then it's very hard to deal with those pests in a way other than just spraying something toxic to keep away the pests Which to kill them. further depletes the nutrients in the soil. Right, right. And is possibly harmful to the people eating the crops mm-hmm. and can run off into the water supply and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, permaculture definitely approaches planting food in a different way where you you wouldn't plant just rows and rows of the same thing for those reasons because you can't really deal with the soil or pests in a holistic way. Mm. So you do have to be creative about it. Like like one thing, so I was watching this documentary recently on the airplane when I was coming back from visiting you in Minnesota. And they weren't necessarily talking about permaculture itself. It was called The Biggest Little Farm. But they were doing a lot of the same things, using a lot of the practices that I learned about in permaculture. And there definitely is some overlap between what they were doing and permaculture. And so they planted tons of different kinds of fruit trees. And that in itself, you're already creating some diversity. You're not going to necessarily attract all the same things that are going to eat apple trees or whatever and planting in things in between the trees to kind of help the soil and help the diversity of wildlife as well, which is useful. But one of the things that they dealt with is 
they had a lot of snails eating the fruit. So they were losing a lot of their crops because of these snails. Instead of what would be maybe a less creative approach and like finding a something that was going to kill the snails, they brought their ducks onto the orchard area because ducks eat snails. So it's definitely a more creative approach. Does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. And I'm also, this is just making me think too, like even these ideas of like creativity and wellness, you can't separate those out either because I'm just thinking of like, take the example of like a CSA, which is a community supported agriculture um, in which Mm -hmm. like a farm will provide weekly shares of produce and families will pay for them and get them. So one that's supporting the health of your community, right? The wellness Mm -hmm. of your community by promoting this like community sponsored agriculture that is automatically creating these relationships between the producer and the consumer in a way that you don't get when you just like go to the grocery store. But on top of that, a lot of times CSAs have like really random produce in them, like so like true. rutabagas and kohlrabi. Right. I still don't know exactly. what to do with that one. <laughs> and then you have to figure out creatively how to make a meal out of that. And so just the idea of like diversifying crops and, you know, getting food from a farm that maybe isn't based on permaculture, but at least practices some of the basic tenets of it is... It's it's a system of, <laughs> you it know, of all these different things. And so I just think, you know, even that is evidence that these big ideas like creativity and wellness can't be separated from one another either, which we talk about all the time. Yeah, definitely. And that's interesting that you brought up the CSA idea and like how this relates to cooking, too. Mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that in terms of permaculture, but that's definitely true. And like if you are... If you're finding, like you're trying to find some plant to plant that's going to benefit the other plants and animals in your system, it might not be something that you're super familiar with. Right. Because it might not be something that naturally grows in your area. It might not be something that is going to have those benefits in the system. So you might end up planting something a little bit weird. Like I learned about some new kinds of plants and vegetables. Like what were some of them? Just like random perennial vegetables that you wouldn't necessarily get normally, mm-hmm. but like you have to be creative about figuring out how to use them. You can't just open up your mom's old cookbook and find a recipe for wild mustard greens or whatever. <laughs> right. Maybe you can, but maybe you can't and you have to be creative. Yeah. No, I just love the idea that this like creative form of agriculture also like stems out into the into the community to promote like creative ways of living and cooking too you know like it's not just an isolated effect which i think is another one of the like the beauties of this sort of practice yeah and this is also making me think of because i'm also a florist and something i've been thinking about recently is like really wanting to merge these interests for sustainable farming with my interest in floral design. <clears throat> and I think that using locally grown flowers also requires creativity. Right. Like you can be super creative with the stuff you get from the flower market, like roses and eucalyptus and hypericum berries, like the things that you would kind of find standard. You can be so creative with those. But I think you have to add this other level of creativity if you're using things that are what's growing naturally and maybe not what you're used to using, maybe not what the people that you look to for inspiration are using. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That was a, a little tangent, but it's where my mind went. I liked it. As an artist. call to action this week we're wondering if you have any experience with permaculture and how it's impacted your life or if not permaculture just how have some of the ideas 
around it seeped into your life or how do you support the environment in ways that kind of line up with people care, earth care, future care, things like that. So let us know how that has helped you. You can find us on the socials. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Never Wear Boring Socks. Our website is NeverWearBoringSocks.com and you can email us at NeverWearBoringSocks at gmail.com. And I want to add one other item to our call to action list, which is to watch the movie Inhabit. It's a documentary about permaculture. I saw it last winter. That's what got me super excited about permaculture. I think it's has inspired a lot of people and it's just like really well done. It's enjoyable to watch. It's really beautiful. And it got me really, really excited about all of this. Cool. So I would highly recommend Maria, do you have a quote for us this week? I do. I have a quote from my permaculture teacher, Starhawk. And this is from her book called The Earth Path. Because everything is interdependent, there are no simple single causes and effects. Every action creates not just an equal and opposite reaction, but a web of reverberating consequences. And I just think that speaks so well to all the things that we've been talking about. It's so true. Definitely. Yeah. I love that idea, too, of, like, it's not just your your standard, like, equal and opposite reaction, which we learn about when we're kids, but mm-hmm. it's not just one reaction. It's all these other kinds of things um, that you yeah. keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is the whole idea behind permaculture is that everything affects everything else. Right. You've been listening to Never Wear Boring Socks. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Show notes for this episode can be found at NeverWearBoringSocks.com. Many thanks to our audio editor, Ben Ramsey, the Cheese Beast, and for his and Martha Barnard's contributions to our lovely music. And until next time, Never Wear Boring Socks.